past couple weeks, we have been in a series that's been in First John, and this particular series has been all about love. This section that Ryan just read, it's just four verses, and this particular section is all about a new command, kind of, or it's also maybe an old one, but also a new one. As we see John saying, I'm not writing you a new command, but an old one. And this old command that he's first referring to, it goes all the way back to Moses's day when they were told to love your neighbor as yourself. But then John also mentions that he is writing about a new command. And this new command is what Jesus proclaimed. If we look in verse 8, we see it says, It's truth, and that's referring to the new command's truth, is seen in him, seen in Jesus. This is the love of Jesus. This is that mystery of the gospel that Jesus Christ came to earth that he died, and that he rose again for the forgiveness of our sins, for the forgiveness of all sins. To live in the kingdom of God is to love everyone. Going down to verse 9, it says, Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in darkness. In the story of God commentary on 1 John, author Constantine Campbell puts it this way. They seem to be genuine believers, but their hatefulness reveals otherwise. When I initially hear these words, my thoughts immediately go to the church in the public sphere. Um, I think of current political situation and Immediately, my mind is buzzing with a bunch of different examples of people that I see that say, I'm a Christian, I love God, I follow Jesus, I have these values. But then I see their actions, and their actions reveal hatred within them. And I I think of those examples, and I look at them, and I think, man, I'm doing pretty good, you know. I follow Jesus, I love God, and I don't have these prejudices that this particular person has. But then if I if I take a little bit of a closer look inside myself, I have to ask myself the question, am I actually doing the same thing? Am I having love for them? How am I complicit in this? Rachel Held Evans, yes, Huddle Girls, I'm referring back to the same book because it's that good. <laughs> um, Rachel Held Evans in her book, Searching for Sunday, is talking about how the kingdom of God is for everyone. And she's talking about how God's table is open for all. And this is what she says. Sure, I'm happy to pass the bread to my lesbian friend or to the neighbor who mows our lawn when we're out of town. But to Sarah Palin, to Glenn Beck, to those gatekeeper types, not so much. On a given Sunday morning, I might spot six or seven people who have wronged or hurt me. People whose politics, theology, or personality drive me crazy. The church is positively crawling with people who don't deserve to be here, starting with me. But the table can transform even our enemies into companions. You see, not only do we see 
through how Jesus lived his life, this new command of love. But we also see it in what he told us to remember, right? As Lauren referred to in her communion, we are to remember, remember Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. But remember what he told us was to love everyone. And that's what we see also in communion, right? At communion, all are welcome. It's not my table. It's not your table. It's not this denomination's table, this political person's table. It's Jesus' table. And we're told to welcome all. We are guided by this one principle of love. And when making decisions, we must choose love. In order to be able to do this, we also have to look within ourselves and realize we have both the capacity for love and for hatred, and we have the choice what we're going to do. Let's back up to verse 8 again, where it says, Yet I am writing you a new command. It's truth. The truth of the new command is seen in him, seen in Jesus, and in you. We have the ability to follow Jesus' example and love all. Going on down, verse 10. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light and there is nothing in them to make them stumble. Continuing on down. But anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. They do not know where they are going because the darkness has blinded them. Once we, we make this choice, once we make this choice to love, we, it's almost as if scales were on our eyes and they've fallen off and we see this delineation, right? We see this delineation between love and hate, between light and darkness. And once we can see because of that light, we have to actively shun hate. Hate belongs to the darkness, to a world in rebellion against God. Now, Please don't misunderstand me. This does not mean that we get it right every time that, oh, I chose to love and I'm good. I can do that easily. No problem. It doesn't mean that we never mess up, right? We can even see this going back to Paul when he writes in Romans. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. Put this another way. Um, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. in one of his sermons entitled Loving Your Enemies, um, just quick sidebar, I kind of thought about maybe just reading this sermon for my sermon because it is so good. And he says all of this better than I could ever say it. But this is what he says. And this simply means this, that within the best of us, there is some evil. And within the worst of us, there is some good. When we come to see this, we take a different attitude toward individuals. The person who hates you the most has some good in him. And when you come to the point that you look into the face of every man and see deep down within him what religion calls the image of God, you begin to love him in spite of. We can choose to live as Jesus. We can choose to love, but we also must look within ourselves and see where we choose love and where we do not. 
Shortly after Eloise was born, she was born back in 27, 2016, excuse me. <laughs> and um, I had a really hard time after Eloise was born. Um, I, in particular, had a very difficult time with my relationship with my mother-in-law. Did you guys hear that? That's my dog stretching. <laughs> like, I don't know if you heard her stretching. That's her stretching. Not her stomach rumbling. Not my stomach rumbling, yes. Okay, anyways, I had a very difficult time, and I had a difficult time with my relationship with my mother-in-law. Um, there were miscommunications. I had a lot of assumptions. I basically started creating a narrative about her and about what she was doing that really wasn't there. And I was really angry. And I had a lot of resentment towards her. Jump forward to 2017. And in 2017, we see the events of Charlottesville, right? You guys remember Charlottesville? There was this Unite the Right rally, which was basically a white supremacist rally, neo-Nazi rally. That's going on, and there are counter-protesters to it. And they're saying, this isn't right. This is hateful. And one of the white supremacists decides to drive his car into the counter-protesters. People die. People are injured. And it's it's horrible. All of it is horrible. And I remember watching the news and just seeing the images and thinking, how do these people have so much hate in their heart? How, why are they so angry? Why do, why are they so hateful? I just, I don't understand. And in that moment, I had this epiphany. Um, I sort of think about it in retrospect. It's like the Holy Spirit just dropped this like message bomb on me. And I, I suddenly realized that the bitterness and, um, anger that I had in my heart towards my mother-in-law that leads you down the same path to extreme hatred. Basically by allowing this resentment to take root in my heart, not only was it fracturing my relationship, but it was allowing me down the path to hate. It was allowing me to be blinded to who my mother-in-law was and I suddenly realized, oh, the hate that I see in this person that I think is nothing like me, I, that capacity is also in me. And that epiphany was the first step in a long number of steps of working towards repairing and reconciling that relationship. I want to open it up for a little bit of discussion, maybe to hear just from two or three people how does this impact how we live, this notion of this new command to love? What encouragement is there for you in this? What challenge do you feel? If um, you feel comfortable and you want to respond, go ahead and put a note in the chat bar. And we'll just call on just two or three people um, and hear some thoughts. <laughs>
Kara. Okay, I was debating whether or not to share this. It's a little extreme and I won't go into like a whole lot of detail, but um, so for those of you who like know what we do at Project Red, one of the big things that we have been focusing on the last couple of years at, years is advocating for um, abused children. And I feel nervous talking about it right now. I don't know why. <laughs> um, there's a case that um, recently an abuser was recently, like a couple of days ago, was arrested and of one of the kids. And um, I, my name is on the, like the report and I've been receiving some threats. So I would ask for prayers from you guys for that. But I have struggled with like maintaining, like loving all of the people through it because it's like, how dark can you, I mean, it's like, if anyone could be hated, I feel like, I feel like I have the right to like hate these people really. But hearing that, that in the darkest, and I want to read that um, sermon by Martin Luther King, but like in the, the most hateful people, there is good. And those people, that's, that was like a slap in the face to me just now to hear it because I've just been so angry and struggle with not becoming bitter at seeing all of this darkness all of the time and just, um, yeah. And especially with this, this particular case and with the challenging bureaucratic government that I also am like, they have no good in them. And, um, just, I know that's, this is a whole different world than, than this group is in, but this is, this is what I'm in today. And this is what I've been like, I haven't had peace about it. And I just feel like this is, um, you know, really great divine timing to be able to hear these words. Thanks for sharing, Kara. I really appreciate that. Jen? Um, so I feel like sometimes what makes it so hard to find good is that um, just the deep emotional reaction, like for whatever reason, um, right? There's just something that, whether it hurts you personally or it just eats into your soul, right? And you feel really emotionally connected to whatever it is about this other person or these other people. Um, and, you know, while I think it's really important to connect with our body and our feelings and our emotions and like what's going on with us and why, um, I feel like um, something that's really helpful for me is to, after being able to process through things, like to kind of disconnect and be able to 
um, see things from a third person or um, like some sort of view other than my own, like being willing to ask questions. Um, you know, what do I think God thinks about them or, you know, sorts of questions that I probably don't really want to answer. But if I were to answer, honestly, I'd be like, Oh, um, and yeah. So I just, yeah, some sort of disconnecting from, you know, whatever, whatever holds us, you know, like to those big emotional reactions, um, in order to, in order to see something good. Yeah, I think, I think what makes this so hard, well, a number of things is that, um, no one, like, for example, Kara, in your example, no one would think that you, like, you would be completely justified in, like, your hatred of this person. It makes complete sense, and I don't think anyone would really talk you say otherwise. And that's what I think is so weird about it, is that you still... Like, God still calls us to love, right? That doesn't mean that it excuses poor behavior or actions or wrong, but it it's the work of not allowing that to take root in your heart. And I think that I agree with you, Jen, that, like, I think it's important to be in touch with our emotions and what's happening in our body, too. But then there's also that can be used as a tool of, like, no, you're right. You're justified you, you know, you're not going to ever be able to love this person or have forgiveness because of the way that you feel in your body. But I don't think it's necessarily a feeling. I think it is a daily, hourly, (laughs) minute asking. And I think that's also why I resonate with Paul's words when he says, like, it's not the good that I want to do, but this this evil that I keep on doing, it just makes it, it's very, very challenging. Um, anyone else, and maybe one more person, if there's one more, if not, we can move on, but I'll just give the opportunity. If there's any other person that has um, something they would like to say. All right. Before we move into mission prayers, I want to go ahead and leave you with another quote from Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., which is from that same sermon, which is called Loving Your Enemies. This is what he says. And I'm foolish enough to believe that through the power of this love, somewhere, men of the most recalcitrant bent will be transformed. And then we will be in God's kingdom. We will be able to matriculate into the university of eternal life because we have the power to love our enemies.